Welcome in. This is the latest edition of the Character Concerns podcast. My name is Christian Ocero, joined as always by my esteemed co-host, Jay Binkley. Jay, we just finished five weeks, well, technically six if you count week zero, of college <laughs> football. Gotta count it. And we had a really great weekend of college football matchups, and we had a lot of players in the world of college football help improve their draft stock and improve their chances of being able to make some really good money at the next level. Yeah, and again, it goes back to what we talked about is you want to see the prospects going against good teams because that's the key. If you're playing LSU, if you're playing Alabama, by if you're playing Kentucky at this point, if you're playing somebody or USC, if you're playing somebody good, how well do you do? We had six games between the, where both teams were ranked uh, two weeks ago. We had four uh, this past week. So we got to see the best going against the best, and it matters. It matters that you're not playing, you know, Middle Tennessee State. It matters right. if you're playing, you know, a top team. Yeah, it matters if you're playing Power 5 teams right now because this is where we start to see the uh, players who are bound for the next level separate themselves from those who are not. You're starting to see a lot of lists shuffled. You're starting to see a lot of mock drafts change, the people that put out yeah. really early ones. Uh, like NFL draft buzz that I like. You'll see guys you yes. know, switching up and down or draft tech, which got the arrow up and down yeah. with certain players because certain players are elevating themselves. And a lot of guys that were looked upon as top draft picks at the beginning of the year, not so much when you go through five weeks and uh, some guys having trouble even getting on the field. Right, yeah. And so a lot of what we thought, you know, the players that we thought would really kind of separate themselves, many of them are living up to the hype right now. And then there's guys in the the world of college football that aren't quite getting up to the starts that we thought they would. I think the guy that we talked about last week, Jared Verse, has probably been the, the biggest name there. But there are a lot of guys out here who are fighting for draft position, fighting for the chance to go play at the next level. And these games are so important now because now you're in conference play. Now you are playing Power 5 schools, Power 5 talent, and all these guys are vying for the next level. You know, I mean, actually, I shouldn't say all. Some of these guys just trying to get a good education, make it through, and get out. But there's a lot of guys out there that would love to go out there and get that lottery ticket to go play professional football. And so now it's it's really, really important. But where I want to start here is at the professional level. We've really kind of recapped, you know, the performances of guys at the collegiate level. But I actually want to tackle, first off, going to tackle the Kansas City Chiefs. And then after that, we're going to get into more of how the players that we have mock draft. I went through the mock draft for, that we put out, mock draft 1.0. And I'm gonna, we're going to update you guys on who is actually playing well and which guys we still have yet to see the results from. But I, I want to start with the Kansas City Chiefs four weeks into the season now. They just got a win over the Jets Sunday night football uh, in New York. Taylor Swift was in attendance. They cut to her 17 times during the game, just all over the place. And I think we're, if this were a 16-game season, we'd be done with the quarter of the season. A quarter into the next game, it'll be a quarter of the season. And we'd be, be calling it the uh, first quarter. Right. After the first quarter of the season... What positions do you think the Chiefs have to address 
in the upcoming 2024 draft. Well, one guy that really stands out to me is Keandre Coburn. Here was a guy that was active at the beginning of the year for the Chiefs. We thought, okay, this guy's going to be on the rotation. We looked at snap counts from some of these rookies, and we talked about it. Like, who can lead the Chiefs in snap counts from rookies? And Coburn was one of those guys we expected to see. Yeah. But he's been inactive every week except for week one, so that surprises me. But it's a that defensive line position, which, again, I think becomes imperative for the Chiefs to address because we don't know what's going to happen with the Chris Jones situation, but address that going forward. But Coburn was a guy, maybe, you know, it's the red shirt on him this year. He did play a lot of Texas, a lot of snaps. I was expecting more production out of that, but it shows that glaring hole uh, of what the Chiefs need. And I think the other one is, well, why name Morris? Still a big question mark. We don't know. It's incomplete. Right. As far as that assignment he's been, is He's concerned. also been inactive in, in games, too. He has. So. Uh, Rasheed Rice is interesting to me because that was the only skill position player they took because they only took two offensive players in Wanya Morris and Rasheed Rice. And, you know, you're still waiting for the merge. It's still young, the season, but we're starting to see the same things you saw a lot at SMU. You know, you, you'll drop the passes you should catch, and then you'll make the amazing catch. And I will say this, though. When you watch Rasheed Rice play, he's got that yards-after-catch ability like he had at SMU. Like, if you get the ball in his hands, whether it's four yards out, five yards out, he's going to make 15. Like, he's going to find a way. becomes a running back. Uh, with the football in his hands. But still, that's going to be a position that they need to address. I I agree with you very much. So, wide receiver, somehow, even though they've taken two wide receivers in the second run the last two years. Time for a first to, round one, Chris. Yeah. It continues to be a problem. And here's the thing that, that kind of causes an issue for me is that I think – you can make a very good case that left tackle is a position they need to they need to handle because Donovan Smith is not a long term solution. Donovan Smith is a band aid on a on a left tackle problem. I think they were hoping that Jawan Taylor would be better than what they've seen from him, and they were hoping that he could make that transition over. They realized pretty quickly that no, he's not a a left tackle, or at least he hasn't shown that yet. I mean, hell, he's struggling at right tackle right now for the Chiefs, and they're really—I mean, really—at this point, they—they—they're not going to go and spend on a right tackle uh, in the draft. But left tackle, that could be something that they address if they are not comfortable with Wanye getting that spot at some point. Because we talked about this during the draft; he's a candidate for the left tackle spot at some point in the future. Maybe they're kind of giving Wanye a redshirt year, and then he becomes the starting left tackle of the future. We'll see about that. But I do agree with you. Wide receiver is a must. This is so. This is too talented of a wide receiver class for you to miss out on the talent. But I also think, just like you said, defensive tackle. That's pertinent. Because I don't think you can count on them getting Chris Jones back. They need to make sure that they get a guy who they can trust to not only be a good run stopper, but also be a guy that can generate pressure up front and can also play on the edge too because the Chiefs really like that versatility. They like guys who can move around. You're going to have, you're gonna have a Minahue back. We've right. seen him still have two games to Exactly. Wait. Yeah, he's still got two more games on his suspension. Um, so getting another guy in there that can be a good pass rusher slash run defender – 
it's just going to make what has been a strength for you this year in your defense be more of a strength. So I, I think that those are kind of the positions you go after there, tackle, receiver, and defensive tackle. And then you kind of see, you know, you take some shots here and there to go get some of the more talented players outside of those I positions. I feel like the draft is a little bit like last year where you could kind of justify and talk yourself into wherever they went in the first round. Yeah. And it's a little bit that way, although I think it's time with seven of the ten picks being on defense two years ago, five of seven on defense last year, it's time to go heavy on skill positions. So I would like to see more of that, the emphasis, instead of the Rasheed Rice, one guy in one game worse. I mean, it's only your offensive weapons. Yeah, the Chiefs are kind of playing on house money because those rookies did so well when they got those five rookie uh, defensive backs that all played in the Super Bowl. That's great. That's a position that they are deep in. They got a lot of depth where you can lose to Jalen Watson. He doesn't play this year. And other guys step up in the way that McDuffie has been playing this season, minus a play uh, against the Jets there. But it was, you know, the top rated uh, cover corner in man uh, this season on Pro Football Focus on how good he's doing. Um, I don't know, but, but wide receiver in the first round, a true playmaker. And I wouldn't uh, sleep on tight end as well, but I would not. Be upset, and they they listen. They got to make the uh, defensive line room deeper. We know that, but as far as imperative, I do believe it's still imperative. And yes, Noah Gray is showing some development and growth, but still, I would still hit that tight end position if I'm the Chiefs as well early in the draft. A wide receiver is definitely what I'm earmarking for round one. If with the big physical wide receivers, I love this wide receiver class. If they were to go and get, if they were to trade up and go get Brock Bowers, I'd be cool with that. Who had a monster game again this week? Yeah, he killed it this week. Like he's turned it on. These last two weeks have been incredible for yeah, Brock Bowers. Yeah, and we'll 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 get into that here in a little bit. But I I think either Brock Bowers, you go up and get him, or you go get yourself. And I I I think it's probably more likely they just stay where they are. Maybe trade up a little bit and get the best available wide receiver, a guy that fits in what they like to do. And a little bit of bad news, Javion Sanders, the guy we really liked at Texas, got rolled up on a little bit in the Kansas game. Right. Only had the one catch for 10 yards in that game, but you didn't get to see him a lot in that game. That's a guy you would really been spotlighting because a guy that the the Chiefs may or may not have to move for Jatavian, and that's only because of the quarterbacks. If you have six, seven right. quarterbacks taking the first round, and we'll say the Chiefs win the Super Bowl or even go to it, you're talking about moving down to mid-20s because of all the quarterbacks going in front of them. Maybe Jatavian Sanders could be uh, sought in that position if that's the direction they go. Right, yeah. they That that certainly would kind of dwindle the numbers down for where they want to go. If, uh, again, they do value tight end there in the first round, that would make – and plus all the receivers that are there too. This seems like a pretty good tackle class as well. The, the Chiefs have a lot of options there, so uh, I, I do agree with you on that part. Now I want to get to us going over our initial mock draft 1.0 that we did back in the spring and kind of seeing where are they now? Four weeks into the season, where are these guys producing? And I, I want to start with the guy that we both loved in the first round. Guy that we multiple times mocked the Chiefs to take in the first round. Wide receiver Jalen Hyatt out of New York playing tonight. On uh, on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks. And you see the explosiveness with him, but he has not been a major producer. They kind of have a crowded wide receiver room. And also, they don't really 
throw the football as They're much just as not they good should. on offense. You know, <laughs> no, you're, really. you're relying on him to be great with Daniel Jones. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're relying on him to be great. That offense has really struggled to be explosive. I do, I do believe in Jalen Hyatt. But again, sometimes you have to look at situations. Where did a guy go? Where was he drafted? What's the situation he went to? But I still believe in Jalen Hyatt. Yep. Two catches, 89 yards on the season thus far. I think they both came in one game. So in three games this year, he's... I think it was game one, wasn't it? I think it might have been game one, yeah. Look good. Yeah. So, like, you see it there. It's just, like, he's not playing in an offense that's going to use their receivers as much. And there's more established receivers in his on the offense than than Hyatt. So... But, you know, if Hyatt's a guy that you look at and you see some talent there and you see that, like, if he can get some opportunity there because in training can't be heard, oh, he's a better route runner than we thought he was. That's that's a good sign for him. Uh, next guy, Trey Palmer, uh, a guy that we mocked to the Chiefs. in the, He wasn't 1.0 that we mocked. He was actually later on in drafts that we mocked him there. Um, a mid-round he was, guy. He was about third or fourth round is what we were mocking him. In... Four games this year. He's got six catches, 42 yards, two touchdowns. So he's become kind of a red zone target for them, even though he's not like a really big guy, about six foot, 180 or so. But he's emerged as someone that Baker Mayfield is starting to get a little bit of chemistry with. Again, there's guys on that on that Buccaneers roster that have been around there longer and more experienced, like a Mike Evans, uh, who actually – Came out with a, uh, I think a hamstring injury in in yesterday's game, and then uh, Chris Godwin, who's been there for a long, he was been there for a few years now and has established himself as arguably their best receiver. Though I I give it to Evans, um, Trey Palmer is someone that could you could see him work his way up that depth chart at wide receiver. Your guy, Tucker Craft, with the Green Bay Packers, yeah, two yeah. catches, five yards, yeah. It's not but, working out right now. But, but it's not even his fault. They drafted Luke Musgrave, too. He was actually the guy that they took before, and then after that they took Tucker Craft after him. It's a situation. You're going with Jordan Love there, quarterback. It's, you know, at the He's a, not a great. one AA uh, tight end. Again, I think it's it's placement. Were we drafted? Do they have the coaching staff willing to get the best talent out of you? Because I can look at guys that, that prospered with the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola. They would have gone another team. You might not have heard of some of these guys. Right. You going to hear about Jalen Watson with another team? No. Nah. We ever going to hear the name Isaiah Pacheco if he ends up with another team? Maybe. 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 Not. maybe. Joshua Williams, you going to hear that name a lot? No. Probably not. Yeah. And then uh, corner that we drafted in the third round, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, who goes now by the name Trey Tomlinson. He's dropped the Hodges now. Uh, he shortened it to Trey Tomlinson. He's with the Rams. It's like A-Chan who changed his name to A-Chan. Yeah, A-Chan now. That's what I heard that this weekend. Trey, Trey Tomlinson, we thought, or I know I thought, could be a good slot corner for the Chiefs. Um, He's played one snap this year. He has not been on the field very much. Been inactive in a lot of games. Um, Yaya Diaby, Nick's guy, edge rusher out of Louisville, um, has been getting some time on the field, and he's got four tackles, one tackle for loss for his very short NFL career. Yeah, yeah, Diaby is a guy that I actually liked in one of the mock drafts. I think it's maybe the second we put out. But again, we, uh, he was in our very first one. Okay, he you was know, what, round three out. pick, mm-hmm. again, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or he's been playing this year. But uh, again, I think uh, incomplete at this point. 
Yeah, but you like the fact that he's coming in and being productive. Because that's all, I mean, again, he was a, he was a rotational prospect. He could be a Mike Dana type. He was a bit undersized, though. But, like, there was, you could see some potential there. He had some of the measurables, the arm length and whatnot. Just needed to put on a little bit of weight and, you know, work on his technique. And he's he's giving you a little something right now. Cameron Young, your guy. Defensive tackle out of Mississippi State, currently playing with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and he's a defensive tackle, so they're not going to accrue a ton of statistics. They're not going to accrue a ton of statistics, but right now, just three games into the season, he'll play tonight on Monday Night Football, uh, 70 pass rush grade on pro football focus. He got one pressure on the season. Not seeing a ton of action there. But clearly is showing a little bit of something. He's probably, you know, late round guy. So you're talking about a guy who's a, more of a prospect, someone that they're working on to try to generate pressure up the middle of the uh, the D line. But for him to already be showing a little bit of something there, in and I think his 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 uh, run defense grade was in the in the high 60s as well. But, but he broke the trends a little bit. There was there were people that kind of backed off Camry Young. I was. 100% with Cameron right. Young. Yeah. Um, I do think he's going to do well with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I'd say, again, you're with the, the best of the best and Pete Carroll at head coach when it comes to defense. A res- it's a good situation for him to go to. Yeah. He's good. backing up right now in Seattle, but I like the Cam Young addition. Yeah. I think, I, Big again, physical guy. that's a guy I would have liked the Chiefs to have gotten because I think he could have, he could have essentially kind of sat in there and developed learning from Naughty. And Jones. Is he better Turk. than Coburn? That's your question. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's certainly getting some time out there right he's now. more time than Coburn. Exactly. So um, then you've got my guy, Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver out of West Virginia. Currently plays for the Giants as well. He's on injury reserve. Yeah. So he has not played this year. Uh, very unfortunate. Then you have Stetson Bennett, your guy, quarterback out of Georgia. That's a weird deal, man. He made the team. He was going to be the backup. And then he just... Non-football injury. They won't see what happened. Not, yeah, non-football injury IR with the Rams. Uh, so, yeah. He we made don't... his way to backup with that team. He did. He did. And... But I have no. But he's not with the team. I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds like an issue that he's going to try to resolve. I, I, I don't know. Again, we don't know what's right. going on. It's not, I don't believe it's health-related at all, or they would have said. Yes, yeah, yeah. They would say, hey, he's got a shoulder problem or whatever. Yeah, we like I said we don't know anything don't know. about it, but they're anything. saying non-football injury IR. So, so hopefully the Stetson gets things going because I really like Stetson better. One obviously. guy that actually looked good, we 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 mocked him in the seventh round to the Chiefs. Our guy who actually looked good. No, no, this is not. This, uh, we can say our guy in a little bit, uh, but he actually looked good in the preseason, and then got hurt very early in the year. Was Evan Hull running oh, back Evan at Hull, a Northwestern yeah. yeah. with the Colts now? And in the preseason, he was getting some tough. Him and Deion Jackson, because of the whole Jonathan Taylor situation, he was slated to be essentially that number two in the committee there while Taylor's gone, Jackson getting number one carries or, you know, being the top in the committee, but then Evan Hull right behind him. Then Evan Hull started to show a little bit of spark or something. Week one gets one carry for one yard, injures. I think is I think it was his knee or his ankle, gets put on IR, hasn't played since. So 
Uh, Hole actually, I think, could end up being a very good running back because you saw some spurts from it. He was playing with the ones and was showing a little bit of juice there in the running game. So uh, I, I actually think that one might pan out for the Colts. But then our guy, the, our this guy. is actually the reason why I, I I wanted to do this because yesterday our guy, Hunter Lupke, scored a touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys. Undrafted Hunter Lupke. Undrafted. And we thought Simmel would throw a seventh-round uh, We wanted him to take the, you, the Chiefs to use one of their seventh-round picks to go get him. And they did not, obviously. I think they traded it away. Um, but they ended up – but Lupke ended up signing with the Dallas Cowboys, who also got uh, another guy I really liked, Viliami Fajoko, and Deuce Vaughn. And Deuce, Deuce Luce. And Deuce Vaughn. Um, they – Got a touchdown out of Lukey. Lukey hasn't gotten a whole lot of statistics accrued. He's got three carries for 13 yards on the season, but he's got a touchdown. So the reason I like Hunter is because his versatility at at, at H back, tight end, fullback, you make direct snaps. Because to me, that could have been your answer for third and one. Yeah. Hunter Lukey could have been your answer for third and one. Could have been. I mean, and, and the Chiefs. Didn't have too much of a problem with third and short in last night's game. They actually did pretty well. Uh, well they almost fumbled one. <laughs> they did they almost fumble one, but you you did have the long touchdown run from uh, Isaiah Pacheco on third and short in Jets territory. So, like, hopefully they can get out of that rut. But Lukey would have absolutely been a major asset for them because – they're pretty predictable in those situations there. If you have a, a tight end that can run around, I mean not a tight end, but a, a fullback that can run around to catch and is really good after the catch, all of a sudden he adds to the unpredictability of your offense because now you don't know what's going to happen. Well, you look at Luke, they're actually using him in Dallas. They are. You know, they're just, a he's, a, he's a blocker. Look though. at his offensive snaps. He had 7% of them, 21%, 10%, then up to 20%. So, again, he got 20% of the snaps. Now, where he's been really used is special teams, 50% of the snaps, 57% right. of the 60% of the snaps, 65%. So you're getting playing all the different phases on special teams and the fact they're working him in quite a bit on offense as a blocker. And we all know that uh, Hunter Lupke had uh, extreme skills at North Dakota State, whether he's running or catching the football. Right. So he looks like he's an asset for the Cowboys and could be for a little while in the league. That's Still good. shocked he wasn't drafted. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he's I just, playing with the. I mean, there's just so few teams yeah. that have fullbacks. I can understand. There's just so. But few he's teams. not really just a fullback. Yeah, but teams are looking at it like I, I can. Yeah, you wouldn't bring him in because we saw running backs. Yeah, not drafted. But the fact that he could play so many different positions, I thought made him more attractive. Yeah, I just again teams are like yeah, because he's undersized for a tight end. So I think that's the reason because that, that's the natural spot you would put a fullback at if they're not lining up. So fullback is like an H back. And he's a bit undersized for that. So I understand why teams. I was just that, thinking though. about him with Andy Reid. Like all the different ways oh, me too. Reed would use Me him. too. I, I, I thought it too. And I agreed with you on Total that. Total like, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe at some point he makes his way to Kansas City. But we'll uh, yeah, we'll see about that. So getting into the weekly prospect recap, as you just brought up, Bink, uh, earlier. Uh, tight end Jatavian Sanders out of Texas. Got injured early in that game this past weekend. He had one catch for 10 yards, injured his ankle. Uh, don't really know the severity of it. it. The fact that they, the way that they've kind of described it, it's not like it doesn't sound like it's a super serious 
injury could but play this week Man, yeah I, you, it, it, it might be it, it depends i mean obviously they're going to try to uh make sure that he's good to go before they put him out there they don't want him to aggravate that because again he is draft eligible and you don't want to hurt your player's draft stock by putting no. him out there when he shouldn't be out there so we'll see about jatavian sanders guy you also brought up brock bowers tight end out of georgia had a monster game this week eight catches 157 yards and a touchdown um, I think he's very, very much built a little bit of a of a uh, distance between him and Jatavian as far as that top uh, tight end situation is concerned right now. Yeah, there's some people starting to go, oh, man, you see Brock Bowers. We've been talking about Brock Bowers for, oh, yeah. He started slow, right? One catch, three yards, then seven for 54, then nine for 121. Again, a tight end, two touchdowns. Then this past week against Auburn, eight for one, again, playing a good team in Auburn, 8 for 157. So I put more stock into that than UAB the week before, 9 for 121, two touchdowns. Sorry, Trent Dill for the head coach. Uh, but Auburn, he's going to see his meltdown. Yeah, he's, melted down. <laughs> he's got 17 down. catches for 228 yards and three touchdowns the last two weeks. Yeah, He is the best playmaker on a team that's won 22 consecutive games, back-to-back national champions. There is a lot of the, well, it's not character concerns, but the opposite. Right. The character makeup from a guy that's been the go-to guy in an yeah. offense that's won two straight national titles. Yeah, 22 straight games. It's been Brock Bowers. Not only is he a winner, but he's the best player on the field when he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's he's causing a lot of problems for opposing defenses. Uh, you don't see tight ends go out there and put up the kind of production that Bowers is putting up right now. Like, you just don't. Like, for them, if they have a... If you have a 500-yard season from a tight end in college, that's a great season usually. Bowers is almost producing at the level of the top receivers in this draft class. It's pretty crazy. He's got 30 catches for Georgia. Next up for Georgia, 20 with Dominic Levette that transferred from Missouri. Yeah. And in third place is uh, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, uh, who's got 13 for 226. Like, he is... Head and shoulders above anybody, George. Then you have uh, Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC. More man, he is just something else right now. Against Colorado, they made the trip up to uh, up to Colorado to take on Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and Shadour Sanders, who is you know projected to potentially be a first round pick at quarterback. Uh, Caleb, thirty for forty. 403 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. Just, his, his only pick this year. Only pick this year. Just and he I think right now he's he's in he's he has the lead for most touchdowns from a quarterback, uh for most passing touchdowns in, in college football right 21 now. Twenty one touchdowns, one interception. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams was as advertised. Hey, that USC defense is gonna help him put up numbers because they're giving up a lot of points. Yeah, they are. So instead of them just burying teams, like there was a situation. Had they put the gas on Colorado because they had the big uh, – it put the foot on the gas against Colorado when they had that big lead and just kind of blew them out because it looked like this game was a complete blowout yeah. between USC and Colorado. But as we've been saying, that defense lets teams back in. This is good for Caleb Williams putting up numbers. Not that he needs them because he's still the consensus number one pick. Yeah. He is the uh, he's the Heisman front runner right now too for winning back-to-back, first time since Archie Griffin. But he's delivering the 22 touchdowns, the one pick – but again, he had a great game, and Shadour on the other side, three hundred and seventy-one yards and four touchdowns. 
And he doesn't get any protection with his offensive line, Shadur Sanders. Right, yeah. And None. Yeah, they're not good on either side of the line. So it, that's one of the biggest reasons why they they especially struggled against Oregon last week and, and you know, this past week against uh, against the Trojans. The other quarterback, guy that we've talked about a lot as the number two quarterback in this draft class, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback out of Washington, um, still leads the FBS in passing yards. Uh, he's over the 2,000 mark now. This past weekend, 30 for 40 for 363. Um, I I still think there's going to be people that try to convince themselves in Drake May because of the eye test. But you just look at the production. You, you, you have that eye test with Penix. And it's just, I don't know how at this point you justify Drake May over Penix as that number two quarterback. 16 touchdowns, two picks. You can pretty much count on about 400 yards a game or high 360s, yeah. 370s for Michael Pettis. Because this year he's gone 363, aver- 304, 473. I think he's averaging four, 409 400 a game. 450. Yeah, the guy could play. But again, you're talking also about a great trio of wide receivers. Yes. I think the best wide receiver group, again, by a couple far. first rounds. I think it's by far. Because Jalen Polk is really emerging. I don't know if you yeah. got a chance to watch him. Yeah, I lo- yeah. really like him. He was looked at as a day two type selection. But then Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunsey, they were first round picks for Washington. But if you like offense, big-time offense, you would like the University of Washington because that team is loaded with draft picks on offense. And then one guy we talked about last week that I think now has pretty clearly put himself at the top of the draft class as far as edge rushers go, Alabama edge rusher Dallas Turner had another sack this week. He's at five and a half on the season. Right now he's tied for fourth in FBS in sacks. Um this kid is, he looks very much like Will Anderson, who is also looking very good for the Houston Texans, who are surprisingly one of the surprise stepped teams right of the Will NFL Anderson. this year. He stepped right into the league and was has been productive immediately. But the one thing about it is, and I talked to Speck that was here, we were talking about Jared Verse, who's kind of the consensus Yeah, it was top the consensus edge. number one Like, edge, watch yeah. Jared Verse, even against good competition, because we've seen him play against good competition. Right, I mean, yeah. Watch that game against LSU. We, we won right LSU, Right at the beginning. Yeah. But you watch the good competition, and then watch Alabama, and watch Dallas Turner, because I guarantee you, you sit down, you grab that beer, you're having some nachos, you go, whoa, this Dallas Turner can play. Yeah. I don't think if you sat and watched Florida State play all season, you would at any point say, man, this Jared Verse can play. No. You're looking at Jordan Travis, the quarterback. You're looking at Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver. You're looking at Keon, Keon Coleman, Coleman, the wide receiver. Yeah. You're looking at all these different players, and you're not even bringing up Jared Verse. You watch Alabama – you're bringing up Dallas Turner immediately. On a star-studded team, especially at that position, because like it's different if we're talking about a great center or a great guard or a great tackle. Like Those guys don't get the love that, that the, glo- the glamour positions do. A great defensive tackle will get some of the love. You know, they'll get the love when they get a sack or they get a big hit uh, in the run game, but they're not going to get all the credit whenever they push the pocket back and allow the edge rushers to get to the quarterback. It's like watching Chris Jones when he first came with the first game with the Chiefs. Yeah. Like even though we like he didn't get a sack in certain situations, he, was, he forced important. the sack. Yeah, he's important. Yeah. yeah. He forced him right into the arms of an open guy. Yeah, Tom Bahali or Justin yeah. Houston or someone like that. And I think that's the thing about Verse is that Verse plays one of the glamour positions at edge and he's nowhere to be seen. So like at this point. Is he even a first-round pick? Because I don't know if I were watching him play, and I've seen all his games, 
I don't know if I've seen anything from him that makes me think he's a first-round pick. It's going to be combine. What do you do at the combine? 100%. If, if the numbers are not good at the combine, 100%. drop. If they are good, some team will still take him I, early. I, I think if the numbers aren't good, I think probably third or fourth round. I think he could drop very, very quickly. Because there's, I mean, in that Jets game last night, they had former first-round pick edge rusher and Jermaine Johnson the yeah. second. What's he doing? Nothing. He's not doing anything. He's not generating pressures like that. I mean, I mean, Will McDonald, the guy they took in the first round this year, has shown a little bit, but not a whole bunch. He's not playing a ton. Again, find the guy that's going to stand out. If you sit there, do the eye test. Is it a guy you'll text your friends about? Yeah. I, I used to, Therese and I, we sit there for his old juice. And, hey, man, did you see this guy play? It was fun because he, he always had that eye for it, too. Like, oh, Because yeah. I always like to pick his brain. Who stood out to you in this game? Like, who popped? Uh, for you, and you always hear about it, but just that guy that you're going to grab your phone and text, they, like you, me and you. Me and you. I'll text you and say, hey, man, you yeah. see Malik Neighbors put up the first yeah. half of this game? He's out here putting up no NFL numbers and games. And then the, <laughs> the text of where the hell's Jared Verse? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> he wasn't doing a damn thing for Florida but State. But if it makes me grab my phone and text you, it's like, all right. Yeah, okay, this is what to talk about. So I want to get on to uh, the guys who made themselves some money, the money makers for this past week. Uh, I got to start with a guy who just absolutely slaughtered my Florida Gators this past weekend. Uh, that would be Ray Davis, senior running back out of Kentucky. He had 280 rushing yards, three touchdowns versus my Gators. Uh, it's a very frustrating game. He, This dude looks like Mojo Drew out there. He's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, like 215 pounds. And he just... Like this is a, he's a battering ram. When he gets to the when he gets to the line of scrimmage, he lowers his head and just puts he puts his helmet and his pads into your into your chest. If you're not tackling him in a in in a proper form from someone who's a little bit shorter, you're gonna have a hard time getting him down. It's funny because this guy played at Temple, then he played at Vanderbilt. He, played at Vanderbilt. Where he had a thousand yards last season, right? And now the emergence. And here was a guy that wasn't even listed as far as running backs being no. draft this year, but you start to see him more. But, again, guys like this you see fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe even undrafted, yeah. guys like Ray Davis. But I'll tell you another guy who really popped for me at running back uh, this past weekend was Jonathan Brooks, if you watched the KU game. Yes. KU gave up 336 yards on the ground. They did. He had 200. KU's front defense is bad, but, again, it's a different story. Brooks killed day. it, though. But Jonathan Brooks it. dominated that game for Texas, which Jatavian Sanders, the second-best tight end, in my, my opinion, going out of that game. It was Jonathan Brooks dictating uh, the tempo. And here's a guy that I think made himself some money. I think another guy, and, and not even this year. This is going to be next year. Luther Burden, wide receiver out of Mizzou. He, right now, right now, this first at receiving yards, he, is, he has 400-yard receiving games, five touchdowns. He's second in receptions. This, Burden has come out of absolutely nowhere because, like, we—he was obviously a highly recruited player. He was top wide receiver in his in his class, but he's a sophomore, and I don't think any of us were expecting him as a sophomore to come in here with a new quarterback and just turn into maybe the best wide receiver in college football. Well, he had all those hype and expectations, and there was talk about him I mean, maybe in transferring. Columbia, yeah, in Columbia, but yeah. What was his, his top yards last year, like 66 yards? Yeah. And the one thing about Luther this year is every year has been 100 yards. Or, or last four weeks have been 100 yards receiving right. for him. 
Now, the one he didn't was week one because he didn't play all the time because they played South Dakota. Yeah. Which, by the way, props to them. They beat North Dakota State this past weekend. But he had 96 yards. So he's four yards shy of 100 in that game. But, yeah, Luther Burden is now becoming that guy where you're saying, okay, is this the Marvin Harrison Jr.? Of Are they sure 25. He's yeah. at 5'11". Is he next year's uh, Marvin Harris Jr. in the 25 draft? Yeah. He only trails uh, Troy Horton of uh, Colorado State that they throw to all the time. Didn't I think he's Troy Horton's like eighth in yardage, tenth in yardage. Yeah, yeah. But he's only two receptions behind Troy Horton for the top, not only yardage, but receiving leader in college football. That is unbelievable. And the fact he's got five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's been the end-all, be-all for Mizzou. And, and Brittany Cook's playing awesome at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he was dancing 400 yards, almost 400 yards, 395 this past yeah, weekend. Yeah, he, I'm telling you this, Burden has been very, very good for Mizzou. And I, I think in 25 he could be a top five pick he might be right behind whoever the hell the quarterback is now now here's the interesting thing about luther burden to watch though chris and i'm really uh looking forward to seeing what happens here the schedule for missouri starts to really really tighten up it gets tough and what i mean by that is like this weekend you got lsu so you had a game against vanderbilt listen vandy's more known for their passing uh, scheme than they are with their defense at this point but you look at the Missouri Tigers' schedule. So they play Vanderbilt because it's been against Memphis. He did have a good game against Kansas State. So that, that yeah, you know that that's a, that's you know a ranked team that they beat there. The Kansas State was fifteenth at this point. But right. these next three, four, no, four weeks, five, five yeah, like you can say five, six. The rest of the damn schedule, put it this way, yeah, just say the whole schedule because it's LSU. Great matchup with Kentucky in that defense. Third best defense in the SEC. Then South Carolina. Then Georgia, then Tennessee, then Florida. You will find out everything you need to know about Luther Burden against great competition. Then Arkansas at the end. Again, there's some teams in there that aren't great, right. but but still, there, there's you know Georgia mixed in there, Kentucky mixed in there. It's a ranked team. Tennessee still ranked um, right now at 22. So some ranked teams that they'll be playing coming up. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Luther Burden does and playing them. more SEC talent. And you know, once you start playing, it doesn't matter if they're ranked or not. Like SEC corners are going to give you some more trouble. Then, you know, if you play the pseudo SEC schools like Vandy, you know, so yeah, that's another guy I want to go to go to is who actually he leads the nation in sacks is Jonah Ellis, a uh, edge rusher out of Utah. And right now he leads the nation seven and a half sacks thus far on the season. And I don't think he's going to be a high draft pick, but the fact that you've got a guy who's power five, pack 12 guy. And is leading the nation with seven and a half sacks and is producing. And, and now they're going to get into the tough part of their schedule with the Pac 12 games. Mind you, you got to remember Utah has played and has won the, the Pac 12 the last two years. There's going to be a great opportunity for him to potentially put himself up there in the first round, especially because Jerry Verse is falling down boards, I think. And you've got other good pass rushers aside from Turner. You've got uh, JT tu- uh, JT Tui Maloa. You also have uh, Liatu Latu out of UCLA. Um, there's a lot of good pass rushers in this draft class. Obviously, the, the Jack Sawyer out of Ohio State as well. This could be a situation where he plays good competition because the Pac-12 is loaded this year, and he is able to work his way up into the first round because he is so productive. He could be a late first-round guy. Hey, the one thing about it, with Kyle Whittingham, you know, this is a trusted guy. Not only that, he moved from linebacker to defensive end. 
So yeah. he's more fluid. He's know, outside put on a little weight. But they said, okay, you're, you're defensive end for us at this point. So he's played both of them. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the season in the Pac-12. He's a couple. He's an honorable mention in the Pac-12 a couple years ago. But we'll see what happens because this is a guy that could, <laughs> you know, at the combine and everything else, move it could way up the sticks because people yeah. weren't really watching him. Uh, at the beginning here, because right. when you think about uh, is Braylon Trice at Washington, and you yeah, know, you think about the Pac-12. And Trice hasn't really done a whole lot this year. I think he's got one sack on the year. He's not, but that was one of the guys talked about. Brandon Dorius mm-hmm. at Oregon, as far as these defensive ends coming out of the Pac-12, but he certainly positioned his uh, name right there at the top. So going on to our watch list for Week Six, starting off on Friday, we got a couple games for Friday. Uh, first one being Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Couple guys to watch for. Obviously, tight end Ben Sennett, who we've been talking about all year. Probably going to be a very good get for a team on the second day of the draft, maybe early third day. We'll see how things shake up. And then uh, guard Cooper Beebe, who has, I mean, easily the best lineman that they have right now uh, on their offense. And uh, certainly. I mean, and I think it's also a name the Chiefs would be interested in. Yeah, I definitely think he, that's a, that's a the an option for say, them. Why are they well. doing that? Well, Tooney's Tooney's not, not going to be uh, around forever. You and Trey Smith again, the contract situation coming up with him. Right? Yeah, there's the contract situation. I mean, he's on his second to last year. Yep. Tooney's getting up there now. Is like late twenties, early thirties. So, uh, BB although is an I do option. think BB's a guy that can start right away. Yeah, he's a start right away guy. He is one of those guys you put in. He's plug and play. The other Friday game, Nebraska versus Illinois. Uh, the guy I'm looking out for is defensive tackle Jerzon Newton, who I have heard is the best defensive tackle in this draft class. Very arguable. You got Mason Smith at LSU. Yeah, but his pro football focus um, rankings and everything else off yeah, the charts. Yeah. But, his metrics off the charts right, with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Jerzon Newton, though, is a guy that you are hearing uh, a lot about. He plays for a team that is not very good in Illinois. Uh, but that's three, a uh, three picks in the top three rounds of yeah. last year. So they were yeah. a lot more loaded last year on defense. Well, that's how what number one defense in the country, then right. like number three in scoring defense. Right. So he comes off that, you know, dominating uh, uh, defensive uh, unit that uh, Illinois had last year. Right. Yeah. So like, that's a guy that you definitely want to look out for. Could very well. I mean, I think it's, I think he's a first round pick. Um, then going on to Saturday, you've got Oklahoma. Taking on Texas, the Red River rivalry. I mean, this game's loaded just on the just on the Texas side. You got Quinn Ewers at quarterback. You got Xavier Worthy at wide receiver, who's probably going to be a mid to late first round receiver. Another keep your eyes on him, Chiefs fans. Jatavian Sanders, who is a guy you definitely want to keep your eye on. Don't know if he's going to play. Big question mark. We'll see about the ankle. Tavondre Sweat, defensive tackle there. He's their top defensive tackle. Could very well be a, a late first, early second guy. Um, another defensive tackle they got, Byron Murphy the second. He could be a second or third day guy. And then uh, safety, Jalen Catalan. That's a guy that uh, kind of put in your alert last week. Yes. Because of the way that uh, Catalan had a forced fumble this past weekend at the safety position. Because keep in mind, the Chiefs lo- love stocking up. Yeah. On, on safeties, and I really like that. But he had that forced fumble against Kansas this past weekend. Especially if this is Justin Reed's last year with the team, then, yeah, it would make sense for them to go get another uh, another safety there. 
And then um, Maryland taking on number four, Ohio State. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Egbuka, their wide receivers at Ohio State. One guy that's really kind of, I'm starting to see shoot up some boards, Tyleek Williams, defensive tackle at Ohio State. Again, it's an Ohio State guy. Veach has not drafted any of those guys in his career. But this is a guy I'm hearing a lot about. He's starting to get some pressures up the middle of the defensive line. They also have another defensive tackle over there, Michael Hall Jr. Again, it's the same dilemma. You're in all the time, yeah. and I've always warned about this. When there's not one guy at one position, but two guys in yeah. one position, who's garnering the attention? Ohio State team is loaded. Almost every position, edge, wide receiver, you name it, you can they name They got good guys there. They got two guys. They got two there's, guys there. Not just one, just yeah, two. They got two, and they do have an edge rusher as well. With uh, JT Tumaloao and uh, Jack Sawyer as well, so I mean this this Ohio State team has got they got talent on talent, and I I don't think the Chiefs are in the market for an edge rusher, but I do think defensive tackle Tyleek Williams seems to be the guy that's separating himself there in that in that position group. Um, then you have a ranked matchup LSU taking on Mizzou, uh, twenty three versus twenty one. Um, you got Malik Neighbors for LSU, who is certainly one of – I mean, he might be the – of the guys uh, – besides Marvin Harrison Jr., he might be the safest receiver to take in this draft class. Like, he might be the safest one. Like, you know he's going to be good. Like, that's the way I see him. Like, maybe he doesn't have the dynamic upside that a, a Dunsey has or McMillan has or Keon Coleman has, but, like – that's a guy I could see being a Devontae Smith type. Like, you know he's good for a 1,000. You know he's going to be a solid. Like, if he's your number one, you know, he's he's solid there. Like, I, I really like what Neighbors does. Neighbors is my uh, second favorite receiver in this draft behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I, I just really like Malik Neighbors. He's over six foot, sitting six foot one, but there's already the 40 catches that he's got this year. He's an end zone machine. He's had four, three, and then five touchdowns in his three years. At LSU, but Malik Neighbors is a game changer for you. Does the guy averages over 15 yards of reception? Yeah, he's a big play guy. Yeah, they also have a couple of good defensive tackles. So you get Malik well. Neighbors versus Luther Burden. It's a great matchup there. And Luther Burden is another guy to watch out for, though. Again, he's not draft eligible next year, this year. Yeah. This is for 25. Um, then the two defensive tackles that play for the uh, the LSU Tigers. You've got. Uh, Mason Smith, the he guy did definitely not play in week for. one. And the weird story is that Florida State didn't play. Right. But LSU was scrambling to have a week zero game yeah. against <laughs> nobody that they could roll just so he would miss that game, could play the Florida State game. That's how concerned they were about it. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they absolutely were. And then the uh, the other one there is uh, Makai Wingo as well. Certainly guys to watch out for. Though, again, Makai Wingo is clearly number two behind. Uh, Behind Mason Smith, but again, we're, we're defensive tackles. We've brought up a lot of them um, so far today. When you talked about uh, Tyreek Williams and that Maryland Ohio State game, you talked about all these defensive tackles. We're talking about two there for LSU. Again, wide receiver, defensive tackle, two positions. Right? The Kansas City Chiefs need very important, very loaded. Then uh, Virginia Tech takes on FSU. Johnny Wilson Jr. and Keon Coleman, wide receiver duo, must watch every week. Absolutely should be watching. Yeah, Johnny Wilson, the six foot seven wide receiver. Then uh you've got Jared Verse just to see what is this kid gonna do? What's he gonna do something? What's he is he gonna do something? You know, like 
Is he? And then, and then on, uh, finally, you have the uh, tight end, Jaheim Bell. I'll throw that name out there. I think he's a top four or five tight end in college football. With this 10 catches this season, but watch Jaheim Bell. I put him there as, as it, eh, most look at him in the top four, top five kind of tight end, but uh, added to the list this week. Watch him, Jaheim Bell. Then you've got Alabama taking on Texas A&M. You've got that heated rivalry between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Dallas Turner, edge rusher, and cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. Both are probably going to be the top players taken at their respective positions. Um, then you also have a guy from Texas A&M called, uh, named McKinley Jackson who is very quietly working his way up. Could be a second day, maybe early third day pick at defensive tackle, but uh, he very much seems to be of that that one-tech, nose-tackle type, put him in the middle of the defense, he shuts everything down. Big kid, he's like over th- well over 300 pounds. Another guy to watch, though, is Malachi Moore. Uh, yeah. He plays that star position for Alabama. Right, Very yeah. similar to, to Branch yeah. in Detroit um, that had that uh, pick six against the Chiefs. Yeah, Brian so Branch has been really good. Br- yeah. Brian Branch has been the game-changing play in that Detroit-Kansas City game. It really won the game. For Detroit, because remember, Tony bounces off Kadarius Tony and Branch right. is right there. He goes, what, 63 yards to the house? Yeah. But Malachi Moore is a guy playing that star position. Uh, keep your eye on him. Then uh, another game to watch out for, Syracuse versus North Carolina. I mean, there is obviously Drake May, quarterback there. He's going to be battling with uh, with Penix, I think, to be that number two quarterback. Linebacker Cedric Gray, this kid's great. I've I When I when I was doing P, stuff with PFF, I – did one of their games, uh, North Carolina, and man, he popped out. He popped out on screen. Uh, he can do pa- playing pass coverage. He can blitz. He can. Uh, he, he's really good at run. Like this is a guy that probably late third day, if not early. I mean, a uh, late second day, if not early third day, he's going to be a steal. Whoever gets him. Cedric Gray's all over the place. It's why I wanted to put him on this list. And by Bryson is, but. Listen, he's not really tight end one, tight end two, but tight end three. Right. For North Carolina, they put him in there because of his skill set and his size in North Carolina. Talking mid-round type selection for Nez, but, uh, you know, still top 10, 15 tight end in America, not even a starter. Kentucky taking on Georgia. You Obviously, Brock Bowers. Like, that's the guy you got to watch out for. Every week, watch Brock Bowers. Uh, Ray Davis, running back out of Kentucky. This kid really jumped out. Like I said, he just he looks like a, a, a Maurice Jones-Drew type of running back. Um, quarterback Devin Leary for Kentucky as well. Um, J.J. Weaver, outside linebacker for them. And Sack last week. He's got two this year. Yeah, like there, there's going to be some talent there on in, in this game for sure. I, like I said, I think Ray Davis could watch a, a little bit of fantasy advice next year. Watch out for whoever Ray Davis signs with. They'll get a chance at Missouri next weekend. Yeah. Like, what, watch out this for Ray third Davis. third-best defense in the NCC. So. Michigan, takes on, Michigan takes on Minnesota. J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. Uh, the guys on the, the Michigan offense. Defensive tackle Chris Jenkins. Again, another defensive tackle. Another defensive tackle who is certainly considered one of the top prospects at that position. Probably a second-day pick, so look out for him there. Jalen Harrell, by the way, an edge for Michigan I yes. really like. Yes, yeah, and he's 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 also very good, too. And then uh, Minnesota has one guy to look out for, safety Tyler Newbin. I think right now he's tied for third in interceptions in the FBS. He's got three on the season. Um, 
he's a guy as well you could you could look out for if you're the chief if you're a Chiefs fan as well just because with Reed I think going you know on his way out at the end of this year they're going to want to have someone who could play in in a bunch of different roles he's probably more of a of a deep safety as opposed to someone who's going to play in the in the shorter in the shorter realm like they kind of like some of those guys he's probably more so a, a Thornhill type playing down the field um, then you've got Notre Dame and Louisville ranked matchup here. You got Sam Hartman. You've got Audrey Esteem, who leads the FBS in rushing guards. Still, you've got both tackles on on the Notre Dame offensive line. Joe Alt, Blake Fisher. Uh, I don't think Alt's going to be there, but Fisher's certainly an option for the Chiefs. And then Cam Hart, cornerback. Yeah, it's got uh, I've thrown on here a few times. Keep an eye on Kim Hart if you're in the market for a corner because I really like the way he plays. Georgia Tech. In Miami, uh, I say this all the time, watch watch Miami just because of that offensive line. They've got two NFL offensive tackles, Zion Nelson, Francie Maui, Francis Maui-Goa, um, safety James Williams, uh, quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, who is, uh, what is it, does he, did he, he was leading the nation in, was it passer rating before this weekend? He's seventh in the Heisman odds at this point. Yeah. Tyler Van Dyke. He's, he's worked his way up the. Not the, only that, but I don't know if you've been to their website lately, but it's kind of funny because uh, they, uh, they <laughs> if you go to their website, I recommend people do this because it's kind of funny, but they, you go to their website, Chris, and right in their bio, it has all this nil stuff. To get your pictures with Tyler Van Dyke, that it's got their price sheet to yeah. get him to give you hello <laughs> message or whatever. But they've got it's pretty great. It's like the first they have like seven slots of things you can get these players like autograph. Right? Yeah. So, so Miami, the U takes care of their players. Remember, with, remember with ten years ago. Remember ten years ago when Manziel got in trouble because oh, yeah. he was. He was but it's what they they, they pretty much advertise. Miami is fun to watch, but uh, the safety James Williams, uh, keep an eye on him as well. And then finally, you've got Arizona taking on USC. This will be a late matchup. Um, Caleb Williams obviously going to be a uh, a, a big watch there. Safety, uh, Callen Bullock. Kalen Bullock, uh, going to be someone to watch out for. Wide receiver Dorian Singer, who, I, who was on my radar at the beginning of the year, but certainly has not been up there with the top prospects. But definitely a guy to watch out for, probably second or third day. Dorian Singer, Mario Williams... Uh, but the guy that's really shined for him, though, is the former Colorado receiver, the son of Jerry Rice. Yeah. Brendan Rice, who's making himself money each and every week. Every week. Because he was a guy towards the end of the draft. Now he's starting to move up it. But 17 catches, 338 yards. But he's got seven touchdowns, man. This has been the go-to guy for Caleb Williams down the end zone. But Brendan Rice, keep your eye on him because he keeps uh, – this is a guy that's really moving. Like, if you want to talk about movers and shakers, Brendan Rice. So I think we've got ourselves a nice little watch list for this coming weekend. I think that right now we're starting to get a really good idea of who are the top players at different positions. And now, really, the game is about who is going to solidify their spot. Because there's still room for people to move up and down. And Caleb Williams is pretty solid. I think Dallas Turner is pretty solid right now. Um, and I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is pretty solid. But I think every other player out there can afford to really move up and down. The offensive lineman is going to be a little bit tougher. But I think that there's a lot of room for guys to make themselves some money. And I'm excited to see where this could go. Because, like, 
the number two receiver conversation, I think, is very wide open. Um, running back value. I mean, I think, is there a first-round running back this year? That'll be interesting because I'm not sure there is. Even though I think there's a ton of great running backs in this draft class, I, I'm not sure if there's one that's worth a first-round pick. Um, we will continue to monitor this in, this situation with all these players working their way up, and we will be back a week from now giving you all the coverage you need on college football, on the draft, on these prospects. So my mover and shaker as far as up, down would be Jared Verse. That started last week. Yeah, he's moving down. But uh, Brendan Rice. That's my guy that made the most moves this week. Yeah. Is uh, people starting to pay attention to Brendan Rice. Because you think you get a lot more attention if you Jerry Rice's kid, but you're expecting Jerry Rice. But he's not. <laughs> I think that's the problem. It's like Michael Jordan's son when he was playing basketball. It's like, you're not Michael Jordan. So you're not getting the fanfare like that. But seven touches, you know, Mario Williams this year with the one touchdown for USC. But Caleb Williams... If he's the number one guy in college football and back-to-back Heisman, who's his go-to guy? It's Brendan Ryan. So we'll keep you updated on all the goings-on in college football, and we will be back a week from now giving you our takes on who are the best prospects for the 2024 class, and we'll probably rehash some of these picks that we made in our mocks earlier this year as the the games start to continue to be played in the NFL and we start to see who – is and isn't a great NFL player. So for Jay Binkley, I'm Christian O'Sero. Thanks again for listening.